Well, good morning. It is so great to see you. Thank you so much for being here. You are impressive. I, I heard about this stupid weather forecast, and I said, no one's going to come. And you were lined up in traffic forever, and you came. You are awesome. Thank you so very much. In fact, we have people in our, our overflow area. It's just wonderful to have you there. And you might not know, we're one church in four locations. And so we have our regional campuses in Gross Eel and Brighton and Celine. And we have people all around the world who watch us online. It's just a terrific thing that a community of people who want to follow Jesus and grow in their relationship with Jesus would come together like this. And so it's just an absolute thrill to have you here. And we are in a series called Jim. I guess if I was a more respectful and less irreverent person, we would call it St. Jim. But, uh, <laughs> but it's about the guy who was Jesus' brother, as we saw last weekend, who we know as St. James. And, and this weekend, we're looking at a subject that all of us wrestle with, temptation. Temptation. Now, I have to tell you, spiritually, that word temptation is profoundly important. It's, it's a powerful word. It's a word we need to understand and we need to deal with if we're going to ultimately experience life as God designed it, life at God's best. But, but really, that word temptation has lost its power in our world today. I mean, we use the word temptation a lot or tempt a lot, but, but the way we use it strips it of really its gravitas, its it's meaningful weight, it, it, it strips it of all spiritual connotation at all. And when we lose the spiritual connotation, we'll miss the spiritual realities of what we need to face with this word temptation. Right, let me give you some of the examples of how we've trivialized this word, how we, we use it in our common vernacular. I'll, I'll use it from kind of expressions of my life, all right? I, whenever I go to the Cheesecake Factory, I am always tempted to get cheesecake. No kidding, right? How many of you like me? That's a temptation, seriously. To me, I like that, that chocolate peanut butter one. Oh my gosh, it's awesome. Um, when, when the weather turns nice, and that's around July in Michigan, <laughs> right? It's nuts, but anyway. When the weather does turn nice, it's a huge temptation for me to go golfing, even if it's a work day. Because we only get three nice days in Michigan, and it's like, who cares about work? We could play golf, right? That's a temptation. Well, when I heard that Merle Haggard died, I was tempted to download some of his songs. <laughs> Not really. This is just an illustration. It's just an example that some of you who like country music and need Jesus would uh, understand. And, but you, you get the idea, right? You get the point. We've, we've trivialized temptation these days. It's not seen as a, as a big deal. And it's certainly not seen as a, a matter of life and death. But in reality, it is a big deal. And it is, in fact, a matter of life and death. And we need to take it seriously or we will continue to live in defeat. We will continue to live in a place where we don't experience what we long for most, God's best. 
Now, you see, there are two kinds of tests that we experience in this world. Two kinds of tests that cause us to make really bad choices that ultimately can destroy us. And, and in chapter 1, Jim, the author of the book of James, shines his wisdom on both. Last weekend, we looked at the first test that we can experience. If you were here, you know it's the, it's the external trial that we experience in life called trouble. It's that which happens to us, the circumstances we're in. And, and trouble can get its best in our life, and trouble can take us down, and trouble can turn us away from God, and, and trouble really messes us up a lot. And Jim tells us how to deal with it. If you missed last weekend's talk, go online. We give our talks away, both audio and in video, and, and just watch it and recommend other people to watch it. But this week, we're looking at the second test. And the second test is uh, a trial, but it's one we experience internally. It's temptation. It's something we all experience. It's part of the human journey. You need to know temptation goes all the way back to the beginning of time. In fact, Adam and Eve faced temptation. In fact, it's what destroyed their lives because they didn't understand it, and they fell for it. And it messed them up, and it happens every single day in all of our lives if we're not careful. Jesus faced temptation. Whereas Adam and Eve faced temptation and lost, Jesus faced temptation and won. I love how Matthew kind of shares this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, when he says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. It's good to know that Jesus experienced temptation in his humanity as well. And it's good because it means that temptation isn't something that just bad people experience. Temptation isn't just for those of us who are weak and susceptible. Temptation is something that all people experience, no matter how good or how bad we all face it. And there are a lot of us who believe that when we're experiencing temptation and the war is on with good and bad choices, that, that it means we're far away from God because if we were close to God, we wouldn't be experiencing temptation. Really? There was no one on the planet who ever experienced a closer relationship with God than Jesus Christ, and he experienced temptation. In fact, he was being led by the Spirit of God, doing everything God wanted for him, and he still experienced temptation. Temptation is not something that happens to weak and bad people. Temptation is something that happens to people, which means temptation is something that we all face, every one of us. Oh, we can try and manufacture an image that says that we're above it, but, but we're not. The question isn't whether we'll face temptation. The question is... Will we follow in the footsteps of Adam and Eve, or will we follow in the footsteps of Jesus? And the good news about Jesus is that he made a way for us to overcome it. Those of us who are human have, through Adam and Eve, been given this nature that is powerless in the face of some temptation. In fact, the Bible says, for all of us have fallen to temptation, we've sinned, and we've fallen short of God's glory, every single one of us. But when Jesus came, he didn't just come to show us that temptation could be overcome. He came to give us a brand new nature, a brand new heart, and a brand new ability to do what we can't do on our own, to stand up to temptation. We don't have to be destroyed by it anymore. We can overcome it. And this is what Jim shares with us as we continue in chapter 1 of his letter. In fact, here's the truth that he really puts on us. 
Because we often feel like we can't do anything but fall to temptation. We can't help it. I mean, we're just human, right? Everyone blows it. But what James establishes for us is that when we fall to temptation, not when we're tempted, but when we fall to temptation, when we submit to it, when we mess up because of it, we have no one to blame but ourselves. And, and this, this is really important to understand because I don't know about you, but I, I'm pretty good about blaming everybody but myself when I fall to temptation, aren't you? I mean, I, I even, I blame God. You know, if you didn't allow this to happen in my life, I would have never fallen. You could have kept me from this, and I wouldn't have fallen. And why do you allow me? Other people aren't experiencing this. And so, you know, I couldn't help myself. But, but it's not God's fault. I like to blame others as well, by the way. If, if I could, I'd blame you. <laughs> but the truth is that when I fall to temptation, I have no one to blame but myself. Look at how James says it in verses 13 through 15. When... When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. There it is. He even said it. You know, we want to blame God, but we can't do it. Because God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to defeat, to failure, to death. And what James does here is he, he says, when you're falling to temptation now because of what Jesus has done for us, you have no one to blame but yourself. There is a way out. But, but the way he does is by, is by helping us to understand how temptation works. And I, I want to dig into the, the semantics of it in a minute, but I, I think first we should just paint the picture of it because James really does give us a picture. The, the best picture we could come up with is... is this right here. Do, do you know what this is? Now, I, when I first saw it, thought it was the flask from the Country Bear Jamboree at Disney World. You know, I, there's blood in the saddles. But, you know, that kind of thing. It's like filled with some good booze, and hey, God knows it helped me during my talk, right? But that's not, that's not what this is. This is a wasp catcher. A wasp catcher. I mean, bee farmers, bee harvesters, uh, honey harvesters use this because did you know that the wasp is the mortal enemy to the bee and the adult wasps go after bees and eat bees because they're filled with honey, right? They're sweet. And that's what the adult wasp goes after and, and they go after fruit and they go after nectar, sweet stuff. So, so really what wasps are into is, is cheesecake, bottom line. And... and this wasp catcher is designed so that what you do is you put cheesecake, wasp cheesecake, like, like sugar water in the bottom of this thing. And, and we human beings, we're pretty inventive. We figured the wasp out. And they're going to do anything they can to meet their desire for this sweet stuff. It's how they survive. It's what they were created for. And, and they put a little hole in the bottom of this wasp catcher. And the wasp comes and he finds it. And you'd think, big deal, right? Because they can come out the same hole that they go into, right? We have figured the wasp out. Their nature never draws them downward. Their nature is wing-based. It's, it's to fly, right? So the way a wasp by nature escapes is by flying out or up. 
And so they come into this thing, and then they realize they're trapped, and they start flying all around this thing, trying to get out, never down, because that's against their nature, and flying up. And for a while, they're still living, they're still flying, they're still breathing, but we know for a fact that though they still look like they're living, they've, they've lost. And what they're ultimately going to do is they're ultimately going to wear out, fall down into the sugar water, and go to heaven. That's for all of the kids who are in the auditorium. We don't want them having nightmares about what happens to poor little waspy in heaven with Jesus. You know, that kind of deal. Gone. Did you know that's the picture that Jim is painting of how temptation works in our life? Did you know that? It's pretty interesting if you think about it. What do you, he starts out by saying it begins with desire. It begins with desire. And desire is not a bad thing. The wasp having a desire for sweet stuff is not a bad thing. I mean, this is why it exists. It's how it survives. It's okay. Desire is not a bad thing. And, and temptation starts with desire. And desire is not a bad thing. Do you know God created us with desire? But since we were created in the image of God, God created us to have the desires he has. And you know what the desire is? He, he has the desire to love because God is love. He has the desire for relationship and intimacy because that's how God functions. You know, God for all of eternity has functioned as a trinity. He's one God but in three persons in perfect relationship and perfect unity and perfect intimacy. And he created us to do that with others. Pure love and pure intimacy. And we have a desire for that. There's loneliness without that. We need others to be involved in our lives. It's about community, right? That, those are good desires. Did you know God is a God of joy? He's not a God of despair. And, and he created us for joy. He didn't create us for misery. Did you know God is a God of, of goodness and value? And he created us to know our value and to know we're of worth. He wrapped us up that way. Did you know God is a God of purpose? He doesn't exist for nothing. He's, he lives on purpose. And, and he created us to live on purpose. And, and God no significance and he created us to desire significance he doesn't want us to waste our lives he wants us to invest our lives to experience it eternally right desires are good but this is where temptation comes in remember the the wasps were given good desires but we created a way to use that desire against them and you know that's exactly what temptation is the evil one has created a a way to use our desires against us because he doesn't want us experiencing life and life to the full. He doesn't want us living God's purposes and values. He wants us destroyed. That's his whole intent. And, and he's created temptation to take us down. Do you, do you know what this device is? It's deception. Come on in, little waspy. Cheesecake. And they're dead. And that's exactly what temptation is. It leads to deception. What he does is he creates deception in our lives. Deception. And this makes sense. We have these desires, and very often we're not experiencing the fulfillment of our desires. Can we be honest about our humanity? Very often we're not experiencing joy. We're experiencing misery. Very often we're not experiencing peace. We're experiencing conflict. Very, very often we're not experiencing love. We're experiencing 
hatred. Very often we're not experiencing intimacy. We're experiencing conflict and isolation and separation. Very often we're not feeling very valuable. We're feeling unvaluable. Very often we're not making a difference, right? And so these desires are, are there and they're not being met. And so you know, the reason we're not experiencing our desires being met is because we've all walked away from God along the way. And what Satan, the evil one, has done is he's created these deceptions that say, if you do this, I know it's not what God says, I know it's the opposite of truth, but if you do this, you'll be happy again, you'll find joy again, you'll find intimacy and love. Ooh, the pleasure you get from this will replace all the emptiness within. We're like the little wasp. You know, this really bugs me because the wasp is stupid. And we're just like the wasp. Deceived. We think we're going to have our desires met. We think it's going to bring satisfaction. We think doing that thing will get us there. But no, it'll destroy us. And, but we buy the deception so that we can have our desires met. And that leads to disobedience. What happened to Adam and Eve? You see, they had a desire to be like God. Of course they had a desire to be like God. They were creating his image. And the way we're supposed to be like God is to be reflecting his character and, and his purpose and his value and his significance in this world, right? But then the evil one came along and said, let me tap into that desire and get you to walk away from God. You know, he says that, that if you eat of that tree, you'll die. That's wrong. If you eat of that tree, you'll be more like God and you won't need him at all. And they bought the deception and they disobeyed. And you know what that led to? Just like Jim just told us, it leads to defeat. It leads to failure. It leads to death. Now the truth is, once the wasp flies into the wasp catcher, it's dead. But it's still flying around. It's still drinking the sweet water. It's still, you know, it's a little bit aggravated because things not going. There's something missing, like freedom. But they're still flying around. This is pretty cool. Get dip my nose in, get some more sweet. Yeah, da, 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 da. But they're dead. And the same thing happens when we disobey. We are experiencing estrangement from God at the least, total disconnection from God at the most, and we are experiencing defeat. It's a dangerous deal. There are two stories in the Bible, two men in the Bible, whom give us great illustrations of the bad side and the good side. The the failing to stand up to temptation and the, the standing up to temptation. And I just want to show you them as illustrations because we're going to be one or the other in our lives. David is one. Even if you don't know much about the Bible, you've heard of probably David and Goliath. You know, David and Goliath. Well, this is the David. And David was the king of Israel. As the king of Israel, you know what he was supposed to do? He was supposed to lead God's people to the truth to live the truth, to obey the truth, and in obeying the truth, to experience the, the victory, the life and fulfillment that only God could have. That was what the king was supposed to do, but the king himself couldn't lead that way if the king was failing. And so, boy, the evil one went after the king. And the king started getting to a place where he wasn't staying alert to his weaknesses and all those different things, and he wasn't doing his job, quite frankly. And, and um, he sent his troops out to battle, but he decided to stay home. And this is really important. You know, God doesn't give us power and authority and celebrity or anything else so that we can use it for ourselves. He gives us influence and, 
and power so that we can invest it against others. Well, the king started investing against himself, you know, investing it against himself. And he was alone one night on the palace of his roof when uh, all of Israel was out fighting for him. The soldiers were, and he wasn't doing his job. And I've stood on the place where the roof of his palace was in old Jerusalem, looking down a hill. Everything was on a hill. And he looked down, and there was a woman bathing on the roof. And, you know, I've heard uh, 21st century people go, what was a woman bathing on the roof for? It was her fault. If she wasn't bathing on the roof, then he wouldn't have been. Well, that's a bunch of crap. <laughs> Did you know they didn't have, like, indoor plumbing back then? You think they walked into a shower and they ordered a shower head from Kohler? No, they didn't have any of that. It was all collected outside and, you know, all this different stuff. And so bathing outside was a normal practice. But he decided that she was his for the taking. And that was wrong. He kept looking. You know, the Bible says to lust after a woman is to, boy, take down. And to live outside of God's thing is destructive. And, and he did it. And so what happens, he has this desire for intimacy, he has this desire for love, he has this desire for joy. Obviously, he's up in the middle of the night, so he's probably got some insomnia, and this was before Ambien, you know. And so uh, he couldn't go to sleep, and he's up on the top of the palace, and, and uh, it shows his discontentment, it shows his lack of peace, it shows that his desires aren't being met. And, and so Satan, it's the perfect moment to bring in the deception. And you know, he already had a bunch of wives, he already had a bunch of power, he had all a bunch of pleasure in this world, but it, none of it was doing anything for him. And so this woman, she was the answer. If I had her, I'd be happy again. If I had her, I'd be at content, I'd have content. If I had, if I had that, and don't we know what this is like? If I had what I don't have, then everything would be okay. If I could just do that, then... And so he, he started playing with it. He, he started saying to one of his servants, go and find out who she was. And he was thinking, if she's some single babe that I've never seen, I can make her my wife. I'm the king. I can do anything I want. Guy came back. He says, you know, she's married. She's the wife of one of the soldiers out fighting for you. But see, the desire was so strong and the deception was so big that she would meet a need in his life that nothing else could meet that he says, I don't care, I want her, go get her. And he slept with her, and it created all kinds of trouble. She got pregnant, and it came out, and, and uh, I, Israel suffered, his family suffered, and he suffered significantly. Now, failure is not final, and we're going to see that in a minute, but this failure was destructive. And can I tell you this? Failure is not final, but failure is always destructive. Always. And that was David. Desire, deception, disobedience, defeat. Then there was a guy named Daniel in the Bible. There's a whole book in the Old Testament about Daniel, and he was taken from Israel when Israel was defeated as a slave to a foreign country and a foreign king, and the only way he could actually make life tolerable was by being chosen by this foreign king to be one of his great men. The only way that would happen is if he was the smartest and he was the strongest and he outperformed all the other people in captivity. And, and that required eating right and all that stuff. But the only food to eat in that kingdom was food offered to pagan gods. And their law said you don't eat food offered to pagan gods. All of his Jewish friends were doing it. We've got to eat if we're going to you know, survive here, if the king's going to kill us. And, and so they were doing it. But... But Daniel, along with three buddies he hung out with, said, you know, God says not. I, they, here's what he chose. 
He said, I would rather honor God and die than dishonor God and live because when you dishonor God, you're not really living. And when you die, you're really not dying if you're right with God. It's an eternal dig, gig. And so, so he said, he, he didn't fall to the deception because they said, if you don't eat this, you're gonna, you're gonna die. And he says, no, if I eat that, I'm gonna die because I need God. So, so what he did is his desire didn't buy the deception, it bought the truth. And that led to obedience. I'm gonna obey God no matter what. And you know what that obedience led to? It led to victory, it led to life. God actually made him the greatest of the great in that country because he was faithful to God. I mean, God did something great. Now, it doesn't always work out that you get the promotion and you get the car and all that stuff, but in this case, God was able to do the impossible because Daniel didn't surrender to the deception. I want to be like Daniel. I, I don't want to be like a stupid wasp. I, I don't want to let my desires connect with deception and buy into that and live for a while, fly around, feeling pretty good about life, but all the while I'm disconnected from God, estranged from God, and living a life of failure. Because see, when I am gone, I want my wife to remember not a perfect guy, but a faithful guy. And I want my kids to remember a faithful dad. And I want my grandkids to say they're in a world where no one seems to be following God. Our pop-pop followed God. I don't want to be David in my life in this moment. I want to be Daniel. And, and, and if you, if you want life, if you want God's best, if you want what you're longing for, if you want that something more, it's not found in a human catcher. It's found by following God. It's not found through deception. It's found through truth. It's not found through disobedience. It's found through obedience. It's, it's found this way. And, and so here's the application Jim basically gives us. This is what I really want you to remember. Young and old, if we're going to experience God's best in our life, then we have to learn to say no when we want to say yes. This is important. If we want to experience God's best, if we want to experience life as, as God intended, if we want our desires to truly be fulfilled, we have to learn to say no when we want to say yes. And therein is the story of temptation. It's to get us to say yes when we should say no. And I don't know about you, I have this huge weakness when I want to say yes I say yes, don't you? Boy, that cheesecake looks good. Boy, that cheesecake was good. That's me. <laughs> and if we're going to experience God's best, we have to stop flying into the trap and we have to start saying no, even when we strongly, to the core of our being, want to say yes. We have to be on the palace roof, looking down to what we think, because deception is telling us, is going to be the one thing that makes our life great. And if it goes against God's truth, we need to say no. But that's not easy. It's not natural. And this is what Jim's talking about, how we can say no when we want to say yes. And here are some of the things Jim tells us. And I, I'm going to give you principles. And I hope you'll take them further in your own personal study. But if we're going to say no when we want to say yes, it takes establishing resolve. It takes establishing resolve. We have, to, we have to come to the place where we go, I will not allow my desires to lead me away from truth, to lead me away from God. Look at how Daniel did it in chapter 1, verse 8. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He asked the chief official for permission not to, to, not to do this, and, and, and he got it. But the thing is, he resolved it. 
Now, if I could just throw this in. Resolve isn't enough. I mean, it's not, it's not just about trying harder. I'm not just saying, just do it. I mean, that's ridiculous. But the starting place is resolve. We have to get to the place where we go, I want to say no to the things that are going to take me from God. I mean, it has to start there because if we don't ever get to the resolve part, we're never going to go to the next step. It's a starting place. It's a commitment. But it takes more. Jim then says, if we're going to say no and we want to say yes so we can experience God's best, then yeah, we have, to, we have to make a resolve, but then it also takes staying alert. It takes staying alert. We have to be alert. James says it this way in, in verse 13. Just two words I'll give you. He's, when tempted. When tempted. You might go, what the heck does that mean? Not if tempted, when tempted. Now, isn't that self-explanatory? It's going to happen. You have to stay alert. You have to be ready. Because it's not going to happen when you're expecting it. You're going to go for a piece of fruit. You're going to attack a bee. You're going to do this. It's going to be great. This is awesome. And then you're going to come around and you're going to smell. Ooh, that's better than any of it. Man-made processed sugar. Yeah. And you're done. You have to stay alert. I, here's what happens to me. When my desires are strongest and most unmet, that's when the deception comes. And if I'm not alert to it, I fall before I know it. David's not a bad guy. David's a great guy. But David forgot the danger. And see, we've forgotten the danger because temptation's a word we use here in the 21st century, but we use it in trivial and trite ways, and we don't understand that every day we're facing temptation that is a matter of life and death, and which is why most of us fall and most of us daily aren't experiencing God's best. We have to stay alert. Jesus said it. Look at Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. You've got to stay alert. But if you're not alert, you're not going to watch and pray. Peter understood this because he fell big time when he thought he was above it all. Look at what he says in chapter 5, verse 8 of 1 Peter. Be self-controlled. That's the resolve part. And be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We need to stay alert. But you know what else Jim tells us? This is interesting. Jim says, once you're, once you're you know, committed to a resolve and once you're staying alert, there's more. Then you've got to know yourself. It takes knowing yourself to say no to temptation when you want to say yes. We must know ourselves. And you say, well, what do you mean? Well, look at how Jim says it in chapter 1, verse 14. But each one is tempted... When by his own evil desire, he's dragged away and, and enticed. His own evil desire. What's that mean, his own evil desire? Did you know we all have different strengths and weaknesses? Did you know that? Did you know we all have different things that we're susceptible to? I don't know about you, but sugar water is not going to draw me in. And so there are some things that you're very susceptible to, some weaknesses that you have that I'm not. And you could tempt me all day long in those areas, and I... But, but then there are those areas where I'm extremely susceptible, those, 
those cracks in my foundation from my experiences, from past failures, from my history, from my makeup, and, and those things that I'm in, and those are areas I'm really susceptible to. And see, I have to know myself because, as Jim says, we're going to be dragged away by our own desire and enticed. Satan's not going to come to me with something that you're weak at and I'm strong at. He's going to come at me with something I'm weak at. And I have to know it. I have to be aware of it if I'm going to stand up to it. Here's the reality for me. I know where I'm weak and I know when I'm getting too close to the edge, I know when I'm in no man's land issue, and, and I know when my desires are be, you know, not being met, and I know when I'm kind of empty and I'm, I'm discouraged. I, I know when I'm at my low ebb, and, and so does the evil one. And he's willing to bide his time. You know, Brad's doing pretty well these days. He's strong. He's, things are okay. You know, he's spending time with God. Everything's great. He, marriage is good, and his kids are good, and life is good, and the ministry's good. So I'm just going to hold back. You know, I go through long seasons where I don't experience powerful temptation. And then, when all of a sudden my joy is missing, and I'm getting discouraged, and there's a little bit of despair, and life is just ordinary, and there's just no excitement in my life, and everything feels like I've seen it before, and yet I get up, and I make coffee and I go to work and I come home and I watch some TV and I go to bed and I get up it's like Bleh. it's then that he boom comes with me in a weakness and he finds me doing what David did on the roof flirting a little bit with areas that I know I'm weak in we have to know ourselves so that we can stay away from that did you, did you know that no matter what we're, we're susceptible you need to know where you're susceptible. Then Jim tells us, if we're going to say no when we want to say yes, we have to add to the other things knowing the price. It takes knowing the price. And I believe this is what we've lost. We, we kind of look at all temptation the same way, you know. Yeah, cheesecake, couple of pounds. Big deal. But let me just tell you, cheesecake, couple of pounds... Maybe no big deal. But the issues that we're facing are a matter of life and death. We're doing this in every area of our life. Whether it's, we're doing this in the sexual arena of our lives. And we're doing this in the relational areas of our lives. We're doing this in the vocational areas of our lives. We're, we're doing it in every arena of our life. We're throwing God's truth away to have our needs met through deception. And it's destroying us. You better know the price. That's what Jim says. Look at chapter 1 verse 15. After desire has conceived... It gives birth to sin, which is failure, guilt, shame. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And you say, wait a minute. I've sinned a lot. And I believe that of some of you. But anyway, that's, yeah, so have I. But I've sinned a lot, and I'm still living. Yeah, so is the wasp. It's just you're separated from freedom and fulfillment. You're separated from everything you're longing for, and you're flying around, you're getting exhausted. And have you ever had the sense, there's got to be something more? Yeah, there is. Except you're caught in the trap. Look at Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. It can seem like no big deal to us, no different than eating cheesecake. But it is a big deal because when we live in disobedience, it disconnects us from God. And apart from God, we miss the freedom and fulfillment that only he can give us. We miss God's best for our lives, which is what we long for. And every day we're disconnected from God, a piece of us dies. 
And I want you to remember, there's no escaping the price. David thought he could escape the price. He could get away with it. He was a king. Who would know? Well, God knows. And can I just tell you something? Let's say you get away with it. Say you get away with it. No one knows. God knows and you know. And you're filled with guilt and shame and emptiness. I'm just telling you, you can't escape from the consequence of your sin. And this is where most of us live. And then Jim says there's one other thing we have to add to all the others. If we're going to say no when we want to say yes, we have to understand that it takes knowing the truth. It takes knowing the truth. Look at how James says it in chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Well, here's what he's saying. Don't, don't be deceived. Anytime someone says your desires will be met apart from God, without God, disobeying God, they're lying. Don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift only comes from one place, from above. It comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights. It doesn't come from the sexual experience. It doesn't come from the vocational promotion. It doesn't come from the financial prosperity. It doesn't come from getting the house and getting the car. It doesn't come from being on the cover of People magazine. It doesn't come from pastoring the biggest church in the world or being the CEO of the biggest company. It doesn't come from any of those things. It comes from God. He chose to give us birth to new life. And then look at what he says. He says he chose to give us this life through the word of truth. We have to know the truth. And he gave us the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. You know what that's saying? Since Adam and Eve fell to temptation, no one has experienced the fruit of creation. We haven't experienced life as God designed it. But the word of truth gives us the capacity to experience life as designed it, but we have to know the truth. And so here's what we need to see. All of these principles go together. Establishing resolve, staying alert, knowing yourself, knowing the price, and knowing God's truth. They're a package deal. One without the other doesn't work, but this one is the key. Without God's truth, we wouldn't know the other four principles. How do we know about the power of resolve and the power of staying alert and the power of, you know, all of these other principles if we don't know God's truth? Well, we don't, which is where most of us are. You know, most of us are so ignorant of God's truth that it's like we don't even know this is a wasp catcher. We don't recognize the deception when it comes in because how can you recognize deception if you don't know the truth? Without God's truth, we'll always be susceptible. This is why Jesus in his humanity, when he was tempted, overcame it with God's word. Did you know that? You read Matthew 4 on your own. Every time he was tempted, he counteracted the deception with truth. And did you know that's the only way to do it? The only way to get past deception is with the truth. But most of us don't know the truth. That's why Northridge, here at Northridge, and we're not the only church, we're not the perfect church. I'm the pastor. God knows we're not a perfect church. But let me just tell you something. That's why we're absolutely committed in everything we do to helping you know God's truth a little more. In everything we do. Because when you know God's truth, you can say no to deception. Like this 
coming Wednesday night, we have a new life service, and it's absolutely committed to sharing God's truth with believers who want to come and worship. And many people who come to Northridge have never been there, and it's, I get it, busy times, we work, but if you can, why wouldn't you be here this Wednesday night? We have it at Northridge Grosseal, we have it at Northridge Brighton, and Northridge Celine joins us here in Plymouth, and, and it's all about getting in the word together. Because when we know the truth, we can say no to Satan's deception. And, and know this, God always provides a way out. His truth is the way out. He leads us contrary to our nature to escape the inescapable. Remember, the wasp, by nature, will never come down. And we, by nature, will never escape it either until God's truth leads us out. We have to follow his truth. And here's the one big thing that God tells us about temptation. God, God tells us that it's harder to overcome when we're alone in isolation. David was alone on the roof, and what did he do? He fell to temptation. Daniel wasn't alone. He did life in community with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and as a result, he stood up to the temptation. We need community. We need each other. That's how we keep each other accountable. Can I ask you? Who are you accountable to and who is accountable to you? Who knows the inside of your life so that you have some stop points? This is why we have groups here at Northridge so that you can find your Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so that you don't have to be alone on the palace roof when temptation comes, so that you have people you can connect with. This is why we have care, because all of us have been messed up by our own failures, and we can, in community, relate to other people who've experienced what we've experienced and grow together, and you should, you should humble yourself and step into those, those things. But let me give you a couple of action steps, and then we'll say, see you later. If, if we want to experience God's best, let me just give you two steps of action that you can take. Here's the first. Say yes to God no matter what. Say yes to God no matter what. Look at Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not your own understanding. Your own understanding will allow you to get trapped, will allow you to be deceived. So, so trust God. Here's what I know. God's right, I'm wrong. God's right, and when the world contradicts God, God's right, the world's wrong. And so I have to trust him and say yes to him no matter what. This is what Daniel did. This is what David didn't do, and the only question outstanding is how about us? right? If you're like me, and I'm sorry to be so honest, but I, I just think it's the only way that helps. Um, if you're like me, you probably relate more to David than Daniel. I read Daniel and I go, Phew. don't know anyone like that. And I read about David and say, me, 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 me. But here's the good news. His failures weren't final and our failures don't have to be final either. Here's what I want you to see. Satan's figured out our nature just like we've figured out the wasp's nature. He, he, he knows that we're trying to find our desires with the least amount of commitment and the least amount of sacrifice and the least amount of inconvenience. I mean, we don't want to go to flowers and kill bees. We'd rather just fly in and have some pre-made sugar water. He's figured out our nature. 
And, and you know what? He uses our nature against us because the truth is that there is a way out, but we're not willing to take it because we're not willing to humble ourselves, to acknowledge our defeat, to acknowledge our inability, to say that we need someone other than ourselves. This is why we turn to a religion when we're really desperate because religion still lets us own the solution. I'll do this and not do this and I'll do this and not do it. It doesn't work. We need to absolutely humble ourselves and give ourselves to Jesus. And in that way, we can get out. That's what David ultimately did. And he became a man after God's own heart. And I'm curious, where's your heart? Is your heart with David on the rooftop or is your heart with David once he humbled himself and was forgiven and escaped the trap of his own sin? If we're going to start saying yes to God like David did, we have to humbly turn to God and his truth and we need to ask him to save us. This whole church thing, you know, and this whole Bible thing and this whole spiritual thing, it's not just a little addition to our life to give us a better week. It's a matter of life and death. And most of us, sadly, are on the dying side. Trapped, still breathing, but a piece of us is dying every day. But the good news is Jesus died for our sin and was buried and rose again so that we could experience new life. And we can experience it if we'll do what's against our nature, confess a sin, humble ourselves, and turn to him. Look what John 1.12 says. But as many as received him, to those who just believe on his name, God gives the right to become children of God. That's the step we need to take. And if you haven't done that yet, that's the step you need to take now. And so just before I give you the last thought and we leave, would you bow with me in a, in a word of prayer just for a moment? Just, just respect and honor the moment. If you're already a believer, talk to God about what's going on in your life as I've had to do in preparing this talk. And if you're ready to receive Jesus, just pray with me. Take my words, make them your words quietly to God. Just say, Jesus, I, I believe you died for me to take away my sin and you rose for me to give me new life. And so I acknowledge and confess and admit my sin, my failures, that I've fallen to temptation. And I'm asking you to forgive me and to save me, to make me a child of God. And I'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just before I give you this last thought, a couple of things to really all of you, but those in particular who just prayed. If, if you'd like information about taking next steps in your relationship with God, we've put together a letter that can help you do that. And, and I just really want to encourage you, let us know you prayed with me. In, in the programs we give you at all of our campuses here at Plymouth as well, we have this connection card inside. You can just fill it out. And on the bottom, there are two check marks you can give us. The first one says that for the first time I received Jesus. I just prayed with you. And, and man, I want to know more about how to go forward. And some of you said, no, no, I knew Jesus before, but I just prayed with you to renew my faith, to renew my relationship with God. I've been messed up like David was, but I came back. Check that second box. And then when you leave, there are boxes at every single door. Just throw it in there, and we'll send you this information about taking next steps with God. And if you're watching online somewhere around the world, we're thrilled that you've been doing that. But hit the What Next button on your computer or tablet, and we'll do the same thing for you.
But let me give you this last thought. If we're going to experience God's best, then we have to say yes to God no matter what, which means, and this is a resolve issue, we have to say no to temptation no matter what. In fact, the stronger you want it, the more you need to say no. Say no to temptation no matter what because God is the only fulfillment. God is the only place you'll find blessing. God is the only place you'll find what you're looking for because whatever your temptation, if you surrender to it, it will lead you to greater emptiness, not fullness, and greater disappointment, not gain, and greater sorrow, not joy. I'm going to leave you with Jim's words in his letter, chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed, fulfilled, satisfied is the one who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. If you want what God offers, say yes to him no matter what, and no to temptation no matter what, and you'll be what Jim says you'll be, blessed. And let's do it together. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.